Well, we, uh, let's go ahead and get to the message this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3, um, and, um, and I want to assure you that Bill and I did not huddle and talk about, as Bill was talking about, um, really how we, how we are to glorify God in death. This is sort of an extension of that. You, um, you came close to where I was going, and uh, thankfully we're not going to overlap too much. We're going to be in chapter 3, um, starting in verse 10. And um, and I will make some some points here. I'm reading from the uh, from the Legacy Standard Bible. Just by total coincidence, sounds like you guys seem to like it here too. Uh, I love this translation. Um, let's um, do something a little bit um, abnormal. I'm going to start really by reading the passage that, of text that we're going to work through, uh, and then I'll make some points. But would you please uh, stand as I read the Word of God? This is the word of God. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will indicate it, because it is revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." Do you not know, verse 16, that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him. For the sanctuary of God is holy, and that is what you are. Amen. Father, as we go to your word tonight, I pray that uh, we are encouraged and pricked that, Lord God, your word speaks to us individually and collectively. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and that, Father, that each one of us would take some encouragement and challenge away tonight as we consider um, what your Spirit would speak to us uh, on through, through, uh, uh, through this message tonight, Father. Please speak through your servant, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. How often do we look forward to the judgment seat of Christ and as, an, as, um, as well, do we see it with a sense of dread uh, or with some joyful anticipation? You know, regular self-examination is not always a pleasant picture, but I think it is healthy. So we have to ask these questions here. So think about that, if you would, as I ask some questions. And then just, just give us some thought, if you would. Are, along the lines of what we just read, are we regularly putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh? Are we as... I think Bill alluded to this morning, numbering our days, translating that to action. Are we coasting along in life and service, or are we pushing forward in new ways? What are we doing right now to build on the foundation of the church of God? What are we doing right now? And lastly, and perhaps most importantly, how will the master builder evaluate our performance? Think about that for a moment. Now, I want to start with uh, my um, 
message this morning with a life story from a man perhaps you've heard of, R.G. Letourneau. Uh, who was this man? He was a prolific, prolific inventor of earth-moving machinery in the 20th century. He was a natural-born genius. Um, his machines represented about 70% of earth-moving equipment and engineering vehicles in World War II, 70%. And over the course of his life, he, he secured about 300 patents. He's, today, he's considered to be the world's greatest inventor of earth-moving and materials-handling equipment. Now, he was known through the construction world as the dean of earth-moving, but uh, in the Christian world, he was known as God's businessman. God's businessman. He was a devoted Christian and a generous philanthropist for Christian causes, Laternal Christian Center Camp in New York, and with the help of his wife, he founded, of course, Laternal University. Uh, taking a little deeper dive, this man was an, an unlikely success. He wasn't overly concerned about diplomas. In fact, he never even got one until he was 76 years old. And as he accepted this diploma, he put a joke out there. He said, no, now I got a diploma. Now I'm educated. Um, as a president uh, of a company, he was never afraid to get his hands dirty. He was just as likely to be at the controls of a machine uh, as he was to be attending to corporate matters. And as to clothes, usually he was in jeans and uh, he had a casual shirt with rolled up sleeves. That's how he was. And uh, now despite a lack of credentials, he was an absolute creative genius that didn't stop until the day that he died. Uh, he preferred always to spend time with engineers um, in designing new machinery. And his philosophy of education balanced um, and combined work and education and Christian testimony. And you know what? Lastly, he was always busy, but never too busy uh, to put the spiritual front and center in his life. He was active in the, in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, uh, Christian businessman, president of the Gideons, uh, development project in Liberia. Um, this man was busy. And he addressed young people very directly uh, with, with some thoughts that I, that I wanted to bring to the table tonight. He says, uh, among other things, this. He says, I've always encouraged young people uh, to, set, to, see them, uh, to set themselves to do the unusual, something most people think is impossible. He says, don't be satisfied with the ordinary. Think big. Move up to success, but place commitment to God first. And then he says to the young per person, when the Lord has a job for you to do, he'll give you the strength and ability to do it. And then lastly, he says, my slogan has long been not how much of my money, my money I give to God, but how much of his money I keep for myself. You know, they say you can't take it with you, but I say you can send it on ahead and have it waiting to your credit when you get there. You know, God called a faithful, uh, undereducated young man and used him in powerful ways to the betterment of this country even today. Um, and in his work, he focused on digging foundations of buildings. But beyond that, he was building a much deeper and much more lasting foundation. The spread of the gospel here and worldwide and building a godly foundation in bright young minds. Uh, Laterno was using God's divinely given gifts to build some amazing things physically and spiritually. And he was constantly focused on the foundations, the underpinnings, the core, and then allowing others to build on top of that. I thought it was a perfect metaphor for where Paul, the Apostle Paul is taking us tonight. Now, two key concepts that I see in this passage, which we just read, foundations and inventory. 
Let's look at verse 10 again. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Let's not gloss over something here. The grace of God, according to the grace of God, that should be great encouragement to us that Paul is saying this. Paul's saying God isn't throwing us to the wolves and, and shoving us out there and saying, now go build something for me. Rather, like in what he says in John 15, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing, right? That's encouragement from the master. And folks, we will get tired, we will get discouraged, we will feel inadequate, and we will sin. Big shocker, ministry at times is no exception to that. Folks, the dirty little secret of missions is that Gene and I and others, we're we're ordinary people, uh, weaknesses, sins, um, and we all dislike the pedestal we're sometimes put on. And have you ever wondered how your pastor, week in and week out, can shepherd you, feed you, love you, care for you, and not burn out over time? It can happen, but it doesn't need to. We have the Savior saying, you can do nothing without me. Through the strength of God, Paul is saying in like manner, I'm able to do all these foundational things, evangelism, church planting, discipling new believers, appointing church leaders, everything that Paul was doing by the strength and the wisdom and the opportunity that God has sovereignly given me, Paul says. And that's precisely why through all of the extreme difficulties that he had, you've read some of, some of them in Acts, if you've ever slogged through Second Corinthians, that is a hard book to slog through. Um, especially chapter 4, because uh, Paul goes into great detail, things that were not even in Acts. But he says this in chapter 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of his power will be God and not from ourselves. Then he says, in every way afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Wonderful encouragement from Paul. Now look at verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul echoes this also in Ephesians 2, where he says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. And we have Isaiah and Peter who refer to this very concept as well. You know, Cornerstone Bible Church has a cornerstone, if you've ever looked like most buildings, I suppose. And we certainly have a spiritual one, don't we? It's, it's a very apt metaphor. The cornerstone has always been the, used as the principal stone to guide the rest of the construction. That's, the, that's its purpose. It's the largest stone. It's the basis for determining the measurement of all remaining construction. Everything else is aligned to it. You get the metaphor? We have to understand, folks, that the church isn't built arbitrarily by trained professionals uh, with multiple degrees. It can't operate like a company with a CEO. It doesn't belong to a human being. Uh, It's not meant to be a private social club. It belongs to Christ and is built by him and is not by the leaders and is not by us, the congregation. And when we start that to go down the road away from the foundation of Christ, you know what happens? It's serious, deadly business. Uh, we risk losing our lampstand. You ever read through the seven churches in Revelations? Five of them 
Christ threatens if they don't repent. Our, our sins and our drifting can receive lots of grace from God, but they're not overlooked. There's going to be a reckoning without repentance. Folks, many institutions of higher learning, such as Harvard and Princeton, they were seminaries, you know that? They were built on biblical foundation with the desire to, to, to do what? To advance the gospel of Jesus. And Anybody remember Harvard's um, official motto in Latin? Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae. Translation? Latin scholars here? Truth for Christ in the church. What's Harvard known for today? Liberalism, ungodliness, anti-Semitism, and with the president who just resigned, dishonesty and theft. I trust that's sobering. Um, Many mainline denominations who started with men of God who laid a firm foundation of doctrine and practice, they pulled up those foundations and they've undermined the whole temple, haven't they? I I find it refreshing but but almost counterintuitive that this body at Cornerstone here, uh, with the foundation intact, you guys are thriving. Uh, A year ago, uh, there were uh, it was not there were not nearly so many people here on Sunday morning and Sunday night. You guys are it, it's amazing what the, the work that the Lord is doing in here. At the same time, there are mainline churches in Zini here that have been described to me who have a very large and beautiful facility, and there's nobody left to worship in there. What you have to ask why why that is? Is it harsh, Bill, for me to say maybe there's some whitewashed tombs? Ugh. Um. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, the day will indicate it because it's to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Paul is saying, metaphorically, we must build on the foundation with the best and the most valuable materials. And he gives two opposite types here, clearly, right? Uh, gold, silver, precious stones, things that are permanent, beautiful, valuable, hard to obtain. Um, and by the way, those are the very temple, uh, the very things that were used to adorn Solomon's temple. So there's a, there's a parallel there. And then you have the other side of it, wood, hay, straw. We know those are temporary. They're cheap. They, you can get them easily. They're expendable, and they can burn up real easy. Now, Paul, I believe, was not talking about the quantity of the work, but the quality. Um, Quality in, in terms of the doctrines of the word of God as we proclaim, disseminate, teach, disciple, live them out, uh, play them out as we love people, uh, and make foundational investments in the lives of other people here. All of those things and more. Um, as to real terms, what that you know, what the good stuff, gold, silver, and gems might be, I, uh, you know, it's all speculation, but maybe it goes to opportunities, heart motivation, how much faith we have, how much we're willing to risk in ministry, um, or maybe just progressive sanctification, maybe all of those. I, I, I don't know. A couple of examples came to mind here. Um, some of us uh, are familiar with, some of us old folks are familiar with that, the, uh, the five missionaries in Ecuador, Nate St. Jim Elliott, uh, and the other three missionaries, Spear to Death, 1956. Yeah, that's, that was a while ago. Um, Jim Elliott famously said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot 
uh, keep to gain what he cannot lose. But more recently, in 2014, Kent Brantley, anybody familiar with that name? Kent Brantley, Nancy Wrightball, they were a missionary nurse and doctor in Liberia. Um, they were told to come home when there was, when there was an Ebola outbreak, and they got it. Uh, and they came home. The Lord healed them. Um, I'll make a point in a moment here. And one more, 2018, a young man named John Chow, um, he felt led by the Lord to make contact with the natives of the little tiny little island, completely isolated, North Sentinel Island in the Bay of Bengal, violating Indian law to do so. He was killed. They've never gotten his body back. Uh, Folks, here's the point I want to make. There were critics, uh, both um, unsaved and saved, uh, of these people in all these cases. They said, you're trying to pollute the culture, you're breaking the law, you're taking unnecessary risks. But I wonder, would the Lord have another opinion in this matter? Yeah, I think so. For you and me, who we're, we're likely never to have this kind of public exposure and scrutiny, um, but maybe it goes to more subtler and routine things, the faithfulness of our walk, the love for our family and the people of God, and, and what we're doing with the gifts and abilities we have. Um, you want to give that some thought. Looking at verse 13, for the day will indicate it because it's to be revealed with fire. That day, I believe, is the second coming of Christ. Um, cross-reference would, I, would be Luke 19. Luke describes the nobleman who goes away, gives resources to each to use, and then he returns and he demands an accounting, a review. Uh, okay, gentlemen, I gave you 10 minus. What would you do with it? The judgment is when the master returns was, was not so much about how much more, but the issue of, of faithfulness to work with what they were given. I made 10 more. I made five more. Um, I played it safe. Buried it in the sand. Really good option. Interesting thought. So what does the Lord expect of me? How does, how does he evaluate me? Um, am I going to have 10? Am I going to have 5? What, what is it? Um, I do think the Lord will, uh, starting with the simple fact that, that God numbers our days and he's going to evaluate quality over quantity, um, what are we doing with the time that he allots us and the resources? If, you know, if, quant- if quantity was most important, those rock star preachers and the megachurches would, be, uh, would have their, re- you know, their reward. But I don't, think, I don't think that's the case. The fact of the matter is, folks, when you hit that day, when you stand before the master and you do have that evaluation, and, and anyone who's saved will, me, you, we can't go back and add five more, ten more. It is what it is. This time, right now, is what God has given us to multiply what he's given us, right now. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. And if any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So then, we have a master who, through our life and calling, is keeping us accountable. Yep. He's keeping accounts on our ministry individually, collectively, and each one of us as believers has a ministry. Gifts and resources God has allocated to us to accomplish that ministry and time. What's the measuring bar? Well, 
Paul spells it out um, in um, his second epistle to the Corinthians, one verse after where Pastor Bill cut off this morning. Verse 10, chapter 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Judgment seat of Christ, yes. And um, perhaps you know this, this is, uh, there's a lot of confusion with this in, in other churches. I'm probably not here, probably not here. Um, we don't worry about our salvation, uh, that we're, we're, we're sealed and we know this is not a church that believes in purgatory that was mentioned this morning. Um, no, no. This, uh, this, this word, this Greek term, uh, bema, maybe you've heard of it. It's, it's, uh, it's really a place for public speaking. By the way, they've unearthed in the ruins of Corinth probably the actual uh, platform where the bema was. Uh, I, you can find pictures of it online. It's pretty cool. Um, it's in scripture it just seems to be a place of judgment singular judgment where the judge is up high and we're down below waiting for the verdict that that's the picture we we, we have here uh put that word picture in your mind as we think of the bema that's undoubtedly what paul's talking about here um and this is um oftentimes this passage is looked on with an in, as an you know uh, on an individual level but i'm going to stretch that some. If you look more closely at the text, I think it's, it's much um, more than that. I, I think it's referring much more to the collective um, beyond, beyond our personal temple. Yes, we are, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, but um, I'll, I'll make the case in a moment here. I think it's pretty clear from the language of the Greek here that, we're ta- that he's talking about the actual church of God. Look, Paul laid the, the uh, foundation. Apollos watered. God causes the growth. Um, and um, Paul, was, um, Paul wasn't traveling around um, at lightning speed. He was spending quality time with, with people building up the church. Uh, you know, by the way, that he spent two full years in Ephesus uh, teaching, building believers up there? Um, he's, he was building the church in Ephesus. You know, each of us is going to sovereignly have different levels of stewardship, resources, roles, and, and visibility. But we have a master who tests his employees, keeps and audits the books, and, uh, and takes inventory. He conducts in- inspections, and he makes surprise visits. Um, you know, inventory is taken periodically at every company. Sunset Solutions, too. You know that? Once a year, we have to do that. We, we, we have an ECFA accreditation. We've got to keep that. Um, and we want to be wise stewards. And we want to know when we're building something, we've got enough parts. Um, God forbid we go through an IRS audit, right? Nobody wants that. Um, and we have annual, annual um, reviews from our employer oftentimes, too. Nobody likes that too much. Actually, the reviewer doesn't really like it much either. Um, and... Um, I mean, how do you tell an employee they've worked hard and that who thinks they've worked hard deserves a raise that there's nothing coming that they've fallen short? Um, the Bible talks about surprise audits. Um, Luke and Matthew talk about parables where the owners make surprise inspections. Luke, uh, Matthew 24, who's the wise and faithful servant? Um, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Um, you know, these seasons of counting and accountability can, may not be pleasant, but they serve the purposes of God and man. 
Uh, and for, for all of us, there's going to be one more review when we pass on. So if Christ is going to judge each of our labors as it relates to these things, what's going to test the quality? Paul says, a fire. Not hellfire, but purifying heavenly fire that cleans. Um, all the pretensions, uncertainty in our hearts, um, selfishness, weakness, sin, as we've, as we've served or pretended we were serving, all that's stripped away. That's the, that's the wood, hay, stubble. And the idea of testing and purifying is nothing new. Psalm 66, um, the psalmist says to Israel, you've tested us, O God, you've refined us as silver is refined. God's testing his people all the time. Um, James 1, 3, the testing of our, of our faith produces what? Perseverance, right? And here's Paul is saying that the fire has the effect of um, testing, revealing, and determining our loss uh, or, or reward or our reward. Should that motivate us? Do we need incentives? One could argue, well, I'm just a servant of God, but I would argue we need incentives. I think that's how God built us. Um, what the Lord does for us is mirrored in the fact that we want to do well on school exams and job reviews, right? If we study hard enough and we get a high enough score, we're going to get better academic scholarships. We work hard at that job even when the boss isn't looking and do more than what's required. We hope we're going to get a raise and get a promotion. Um, In the same way, the Lord gives us an incentive to work honestly and hard for him, reminding us that he doesn't forget the labor we do for him. Isn't that great? But it's... It's not just any labor. If the God wants the best, it has to be tested for its quality. Doesn't it? Do much is given, much will be demanded, and it has to be pure and purified because God's holy. He demands nothing less. Last two verses here, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him. That is amazing. For the sanctuary of God is holy, and that is what you are. Paul here is alluding not to the body of you and me, the individual, but the church as a whole. The pronoun for you here is plural. It's a church. Um, You, the church, you're a sanctuary of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's an allusion to the individual, but really Paul is pointing to the collective here, I believe. And sanctuary is a great way for the LSB to to translate this word. Um, It's not talking about the temple at large or this building right here. Um, It's specifically talking about really two rooms. In in the Jewish temple, there was the holy place or the sanctuary just outside of the Holy of Holies, and there was the Holy of Holies. Um, That's how we're to treat um, not only our bodies, but all that makes up the church. Parallel passage, First Peter 2. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So Paul says we're all to be building on the foundations collectively as a church, and we must be careful how we build because we can go the other way. What do I mean by that? Well, it's always easier to destroy than create, right? Um, How do we destroy the things that divide churches and harm the faith of others in the body? Folks, when COVID hit in 2020, 
it many in many cases it brought out the worst in us. I'm just going to be honest. Folks on all sides of the issues tended to respond poorly. I love masks. I hate masks. I don't like what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Um, these poor pastors of ours. If, if, in Elkhart, a, a, a few folks hollered at our pastor. I don't get it. You're going to holler at my pastor? The, these poor pastors, they couldn't satisfy people no matter what they did. Um, this, this is that sort of thing. A, a recent survey revealed, by the way, uh, just from a couple of days ago, that U.S. pastors struggle with, big shocker here, post-pandemic burnout. Half have considered quitting since 2020. Does that shock you? Not just their church, but ministry, period. And it seems to reflect what's called collective trauma. Dwindling attendance, declining rates of volunteering, members' resistance to further change. Folks, it's so encouraging to see at Cornerstone a very healthy trajectory at such a time as this. But we're not immune to responding poorly to the next crisis. Later on in this epistle, Paul warns the church about grumbling, doesn't he? Well, look what Israel did in the wilderness, and look how seriously God took it. Was it a minor sin that Israel was grumbling? Well, God sure didn't think so, right? Holy smoke! Did he, he Look at the judgment he poured out on them. No, it's, it's because there's serious issues underneath when we're going to sit there and grumble about stuff when we shouldn't, right? Lack of faith, selfishness, greed, etc., the reality is, folks, personally in a church, we're, we're not immune from those things. All those things, all those things that can tear down the church of God. We need to be so careful. Sins of envy, gossip, rivalry, dis- divisiveness, selfishness. Paul um, points some things out in other places and, and so on. And maybe it's a, a good time, and maybe it's always a good time for a heart-level evaluation, examination of what we're doing, how well we're doing. Uh, are we building up, or maybe are we quietly or unknowingly, unconsciously tearing down? Let's not go there. The master's not overlooking this, folks. There's a warning here we ought not overlook. You know, Israel was instructed to keep themselves from idolatry, disobedience, but they repeatedly defiled the tabernacle and the temple, and that list is long, isn't it? Remember, it started with Aaron's sons and strange fire? Remember that? goes to Eli's sons. Uh, the list is long. I, yeah, I'm not going to go any further. So, folks, as we slog through what sometimes seems like a thankless job, starting tomorrow morning, perhaps we can be reminded and sharpened, and as we consider this as a little taste of the future, this judgment seat of Christ, this wonderful thing, a Lord who tests our work and probes deep into your heart and your mind and your soul. Um, so I'm going to close here with a, a whole lot of um, introspection and, and challenge here. Obvious ones and some less than obvious ones. What's the foundation that you're building on in your personal life? Are you just seeking to live um, and retrofit God into the equation and come to church if you have the time? Oh, I don't mean to be harsh. I, I don't. But there could be a subtlety that... that God sees clearly, maybe others don't, and if, but maybe you should if you're honest. Uh, where are you at? Um, is God, uh, is God uh, prioritized properly? Secondly, if someone were to look at our, our life impartially, 
what are those gold and silver and, and precious stones? How are we building? And uh, do we have some hay, wood, and straw in our lives? Do we got to weed it out? Um, us church people, yeah, we're, we're good at those, those um, winking a lot at these little sins, attitudes, uh, things that are just kind of subtle that's hard for people to kind of put their finger on sometimes. But are they keeping us from building the body of Christ with quality? Are we putting to death the deeds of the flesh, throwing off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles? Um, wow. Another thought here, are we setting the right foundation as we get up in the morning? You know what, I, uh, what's the first thing that you do when, you, when, you, when the alarm goes off in the morning? I, I reach for my device. Yeah, what's the news or... His email all stacked up from stuff. I, you know, um, there's a term called the her- the heroic minute. It was coined a long, long time ago. Basically, um, it's this thing. It's it's basically what are you going to do the first minute after you get up? That a lot of times that defines um, uh, kind of how the day goes. But I think we can be quick to devices and slow to God, and um, I've had to deal with that very personally. Uh, John Piper has this real, he's, he can get pretty provocative. And he, here's a provocative phrase. I'll just, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this. He says, uh, I'm quoting, um, this is not me, I'm quoting Piper here. <laughs> Brace yourself, yeah. I feel like I have to get saved every morning. He says, I wake up and the devil's sitting on my face. Put another way, um, whatever we focus our hearts on first in the morning, is going to shape our whole day. The Christian knows how important it is that putting God first into our lives and praying for strength, going to the Word of God, getting on your knees, feeding your souls, meditating in quietness before all the all of the noises and voices start. Um, I um, I've been doing that this year. I've been challenged by that by another teacher, and and it's um, it's had a, it's had a great effect on, on me on what has been a difficult year. Um, it's drawn me closer to the Lord. Another thought, are we building the foundation for other believers in future generations? Uh, disciples beget more disciples. I forget how Bill said it this morning, but are we investing ourselves in the lives of other believers? I think discipleship is a big part of this, a, part of, a, a huge part of building the church, don't you? Um, how far does your sphere of influence go uh, here and, and beyond? I think it's a fair question. A lot of folks say to me, ah, you, you know what, thank, thanks for, you know, uh, thanks for doing that for me or praying for me or just taking time to listen. And they say, I know how busy you are. And, and I, and I want to say, you know what, you want something done, you know who you ask. I'm a busy person. Um, that's not an excuse for not investing in others. Uh, I don't think that's going to wash before God, do you? Um we want to have a profound impact on the next generation. Um, I we, we will make the time for what's important. Uh, love for the brethren um, has to take a higher priority sometimes in our lives. That's a that's a great challenge in a busy world. Parents, especially dads, as leader goes, so go the family. As God's appointed leaders, are you laying godly foundations in your home? Dads, it's up to it's. I know moms and dads, both of you, but uh, dad, you're setting the tone. You're you're the one that's. Um, Everybody's tired on Sunday morning. Uh, come on, got to get up. You got to. We're going. We're going to church. Um, you're you're setting the tone for the house. 
You don't leave, the, leave that for your, your, your spouse. Are you investing um, time and energy in the lives of your children, or are you just a, a bystander? You're working hard, you're, you think you're responsible, but uh, you're, you're, um, your kids are not getting the time that they should. God demands more. Men, we need to step up and set that tone for our families. Older saints, uh, here's a good challenge. Have you retired from Christian service, or are you intending to go out like Moses, like I am? Um, Gene doesn't like me saying I, I say it a lot. You know, I want to go out like Moses, uh, not retire to the golf course. But um, are you going to finish like, are you intent to finish like Moses did? All the opportunities that God can give you. You have wise words uh, oftentimes and experience in life that so many people younger than you can benefit from. Are you, are you, are you investing in the lives of, of people, the next wave that's coming? These folks need to hear and see Christ in you. This is all part of building the church and the foundation. Young people, are you laying the foundation for godly and faithful service? You want to make a profound impact? I'm going to be blunt here now. I'm going to be really blunt. Um, This past April, there was a very well-known missionary. His name was George Verwer. He went home to be with the Lord. Uh, He was head of Operation Mobilization, OM. Um... And he did some incredible work while, well, uh, before he died. But one comment that he, he made recently before he died really struck me. He was convinced, here we go, he was convinced that many young men these days do not join missions or ministry service. Why? Because they're ensnared in sexual sin, pornographic or otherwise. And folks, as a mission chaplain, I can very much attest to that. We have many interns that serve at Sunset, and if they stay long enough to build rapport with me, you know what? They'll pull me into a room on the side and say, um, I'm struggling here. Uh, do I, you know, what do I do? Um, sexual sin, same-sex attraction, you name it. And... Um, and they sometimes say as well, you know what, I'd like to serve, but i, I got to fix this first, you know. Essentially, they're saying, you know, i got the sin problem, but once that's conquered, then I can think about service. And my response is, deal with your sin. Look over time to see if you're sinning less, and the Lord is working in you to give you victory. I'll help you in that, but how do you know when you've arrived? There's no good answer to that. And folks, secret sins can have a crippling effect on present and future ministry if it's not dealt with properly and exposed to the light. You have people here that love you. No one's going no to bang you on the head. You must deal with it if you wish to have an effective ministry now and in the future and um, reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, in general, maybe you're struggling with feelings of inadequacy, some kind of besetting sense, something holding you back from pursuing service. When we understand God's model and the part we're meant to play, the, things can fall into place. The Lord can open doors. Deal with your sin um, and, and allow the Lord to work in your life. So I think Satan uses this as a way to keep folks from doing what they ought to do. We can bring redemption to our vulnerability. We, can, we don't have to wallow in our, in our weakness and our situation. Lift our eyes to the Lord and hope to his promises. You know, our weaknesses remind us of something. 
We're dependent and God's sufficient. Isn't that wonderful? We are dependent and God is sufficient. He loves us. He loves to meet us in our moments of need and to give us more grace as we seek it. God loves us by calling us and choosing us. And as Christians, we've each been given divine and precious gifts. How are we using them for the foundation? How are you using them? How, what, what, what do you, if you, if you were going to, someone was going to put you on the spot right now, well, what are you, what are you doing? I know there's a lot of folks here that are very active. God bless you. Um, it, um, is it enough? In the here and now, it starts with individual, consistent, faithful, patient, long-term um, faithfulness, purity of walk, zealousness for his name, faithful stewardship. We focused on that word this morning in Sunday school. Going back to Laterno, you know, men came before mountains. You know what I mean by that? Men came before mountains. Something Gene taught me years back. People are more important than machines. People are more important than machines, and they're more important than, um, than the things we often uh, think are important. This is what God expects of us. We're not supposed to just leave it to Pastor Bill because he's paid. Or an elder or a deacon or a missionary or a youth group leader or whoever. His organ- God's org chart is much flatter than you might think. And it's a divine calling for the believer to divine service, with sometimes with divine risk. And we have to be ever mindful of something, this ticking clock of your own mortality. Young people, you're not immortal. I thought I was once. I ain't there anymore. Um, Ephesians 5, Paul says, Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because why? The days are evil. The days were evil then. They're evil now, probably more so. And that is to be a motivating factor in watching our walk and seizing the days. Yes, it's really encouraging to see so many folk here who are actively engaged in the work at Cornerstone. Um, And many would call ourselves busy, but are you busy with the right things? Um, I've heard that said that there's wisdom in discerning the good versus the better and then prioritizing accordingly. What's good and what's better? Pick the better. Um, is the Lord nudging your heart right now? Perhaps you're wondering like I do at times, you know, like, what's, well, um, what the quality of my work actually is in the eyes of the master. What's he going to say when I, go, when I go there? Our action plan coming out tonight can start maybe with a few simple things that you can, we can all pull out the door. Am I watching my walk in Christ so I'm not drifting morally or doctrinally? Is there one thing I ought not be doing that's holding me back from effective ministry or ministry at all? Secondly, am I redeeming or making the most of the days the Lord's given me? Is the Lord teaching me to number my days in practical ways? Thirdly, is there one thing in my life I could be doing but I haven't gotten around to? Maybe the Lord's placed an opportunity for ministry at your doorstep and we've made excuses why we can't or haven't yet. A person, a situation, a ministry that can use our time and talent. Is it going to wash before the Lord to say, um, I just didn't have enough time, Lord, sorry. I don't want to hear to my own eternal regret that I wasted talents and resources. I'm going to hear probably some of that. But there's going to be a point where it's going to be too late. 
and I, don't, and I want to please the master. I hope you want to please the master. So let's consider the, the, the infinite value of the human soul and this, this entity called the church of God, how we, we can invest a little bit better, a little bit deeper. You and I will have plenty of time to rest when God calls us home. Till then, give some thought to where your gifts are, where your priorities are, and prayerfully seek God's will in using them in greater ways to really have a personal and positive impact in church and ministry, life. Time is short. King is returning, isn't he? Amen. And we don't know the hour of the day, but the Master urges us to keep those oil, to keep the oil in our lamps, stay active and alert. And when we do our work well, the right motives, doing our part to build the church of God, I think we can and should expect a great reward from the Master. I want to take just a, just a minute in some silent introspection to have the Lord, um, His Holy Spirit, maybe speak to your soul on some of these things. I know I said a lot, um, some great encouragement and some, and some pricks, I, I know that. But, uh, but I want every person here to bring home one thing, if you would, one thing that maybe the Lord is speaking to you about, to the positive or to the negative. Uh, what would he have you do? How will, how will you increase your reward? How will you please the master more um, someday as you stand before him? Go ahead and take, if you would, about, about half a minute, and I'll close us in, in prayer. Most holy God, we, we thank you for your word, which provides encouragement and direction for us, Father. I thank you that for your Holy Spirit, who provides strength and um, direction and guidance to our, our minds, our souls, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you don't merely push us out in, in without what we need, Father. I thank you that you've given all we need in great abundance, Lord. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we acknowledge at times we've fallen short. We confess, Lord, that we've, we've sinned, we've been foolish, Lord. And, and some of those things, Father God, we've, we've wasted time and effort and, um, and resources, Father. Forgive us for that. And we do pray, Lord God, that you would sharpen us, even going out tonight, Father God, that you would speak to every soul that's here, Lord. And Lord, as we consider what you would have for us to do, Father, would you open our eyes to, um, even beyond our gifts and abilities, Lord, how you're speaking to us, Lord, how you would have us to build your church, build on the foundation that's there, Lord, uh, to, be, to be your channel of blessing, to speak truth and love and, and um, your word into the lives of other people, Lord, um, whatever your calling is for us, Father. Would you stretch us? Would you grow us, Lord? Um, and reveal to us what your will is, Father. I pray for that person tonight that is struggling with besetting sin, Lord. They're afraid to say it to anybody, Father. I pray that maybe tonight is that night when we say, enough, Lord, you see my sin, 
And Lord, I don't want it to, I don't want any more for this to hold me back. And and Lord, that that person would find a faithful, godly friend um, who can help them, come alongside them, encourage them, hold them accountable, um, and strengthen them for temptations that will lie in the future road. Lord, help us, I pray, in our sanctification, Father, to increasingly please you. Lord, we know that that beyond the, the temple of the church, Father, our bodies certainly are that as well. And Lord, we want, we know deep down, Father, you want a, a temple that is pure and clean. And Father God, please give us what we need to overcome the evil one, overcome our flesh and the world, Lord God. We know by your Holy Spirit, we're able to do that, Father God. As we go out tonight, Father, and we go out this week, Lord, as we go into our workplace and school, and ministry and beyond, Father God. Please go before us. Help us to watch our attitudes and our words and our actions and our feet and our hands and our minds. All, all of these things, Father God, may we, may we increasingly submit to you, Father, in ways that are holy and pleasing. And Lord, may this be something that people see and people see there's something different about us, Father God. May we have a profound impact in the sphere of influence that you give us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you will do in each of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.